All right, well, it's great to be with you guys, and we are going to dive into the Word this morning. My message this morning is entitled, When the Veil Tore, When the Veil Tore. I want to start this morning by just kind of putting you in the picture. There are many things that we read in Scripture, many things that we have understanding of to a certain point. But there are certain symbolisms in Scripture that are so important for us to fully grasp because sometimes these are the things that make the difference between breakthrough and not having breakthrough. From the very, very beginning, when God placed man in the garden, it was a perfect situation. They were able to be in the presence of God. They they didn't sin. There was no sin in their lives, and they were with the Lord in His presence, basking in His presence. The Bible says that in the cool of the day, the Lord came looking for them. So it was obviously something that they were familiar with because they also understood and recognized God's voice, Adam and Eve, after they sinned. We we know that because when He calls them, they're hiding from Him. But there was this perfect, perfect situation. Unfortunately, we know the story that Adam and Eve sinned and when they, were, when they sinned, they were cast out of the garden. And the presence of God, the abiding presence of God that was with them, was no longer on them and with them the way that it was while they were in the garden. While they were in the garden, they were fully protected. And when they left the garden, there was a separation between man and God that took place immediately. God had a redemptive plan. Because God's intentions were always to be with us. He loves us. He created us. Yes, He created us with purpose. He says in His Word that He gave us dominion over the earth, so He had a plan for us to do something. But part of His plan was also for us to have fellowship, relationship, to be with each other in His presence, an amazing thing. So God sets up some things, and we're going to talk about that this morning to get us to that point of redemptive, of, of redemption, redemptive, uh, of redemption, basically. That's really what it is. So, but what's really interesting and important for us to understand is that God is so intentional with symbolism and things that He does, so perfectly selected, so perfectly chosen with prophetic purpose and intention so that you and I would fully grasp what he wants to do. I was talking to my dad actually this week and I I mentioned to him how while I was studying this how I, I realized that you know God told the children of Israel while they were in Egypt to take a lamb to kill the lamb and to take the blood and put it on the on the lintel on the doorposts so that the angel of death would pass over them right What's amazing is they were instructed to not break the bones of that lamb. Now, you know, imagine you're one of the children of Israel and he says, don't break the bones. And you think, okay, we won't break the bones. That's the instruction. Then the prophets begin to prophesy about the Messiah. Then the Messiah dies on the cross and no bones are broken. I mean, God does this kind of thing so intentionally, so perfectly, so that you will understand what takes place and what He desires to do in your and my life. And I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that He's done these things. When God's presence left man, He always had a desire to dwell with them and also had a desire for their sins to be removed from them. So He set up an order. The order was in the tabernacle. 
and most of you know about the tabernacle. The tabernacle was the place where the people would come and they would bring their sacrifices to the Lord. And once a year, the, the high priest would go into what we call the most holy place or the holy of holies. Only the high priest had access to the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was a, a very important place because in the Holy of Holies was what we call the Ark of the Covenant. Most of you know the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was fully covered in gold. And on both sides of the Ark were the two cherubim. And, and the two cherubim were facing uh, right to the center, which is where the mercy seat was. And what God had done was he had set up that once a year, the high priest would go beyond the holy place into the most holy place or the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. And he would take the blood of an animal that had been sacrificed and put it on the mercy seat. And God would then forgive the sins of that nation. That's what he would do once a year, every single year. Now what separated the holy place or the most holy place and the rest of the tabernacle was a veil. This veil was no ordinary veil and the Bible has some things to say about it. Let's go to Exodus 26 verse 31. Just hang in there. I'm gonna get somewhere this morning. Exodus 26 verse 31. This is the instruction about the veil. He says, you shall make a veil woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen. It shall be woven with the artistic design of cherubim. You shall hang it up upon the four pillars of acacia wood overlaid with gold, and their hooks shall be gold upon four sockets of silver. And you shall hang the veil from the clasps. Then you shall bring the ark of the testimony or the ark of the covenant in there behind the veil. And the veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy place or the holy of holies. So this veil was now placed in position between the holy place and the holy of holies. The holy place was the place where the priests would on a daily basis do the specific activities before the Lord, but were not allowed to enter the most holy place because sin is what separated us from God's presence. And only once a year did he allow the priests to go beyond that, or the high priest rather, to go beyond there to the mercy seat to make the sacrifice. There's a few things you need to know about this activity. First of all, when it comes to the veil itself, they say that most scholars agree that through different literature and information that we have about the veil, the very last veil that would have been in the temple period of Jesus' time was around 60 feet high. That's a big veil. And easily across 30 feet wide. They say that the veil was probably around four inches in width. In depth rather, which means that this veil was not just some little cloth. It was a thick veil. Remember, the presence of God was behind it and it was almost like it wasn't allowed to come through because it was holy and it was sacred. And so this veil was set up. Now, once a year, when the high priest would go into the most holy place, they would take a, a, a rope and tie it around his waist and then they would keep the other side of the rope and they would put a bell on him. And when he went into the most holy place, in case the bell stopped making a noise, they would have the rope on him so that if he died, they could pull him out because they couldn't go in there to see if he was dead because they would die 
Are you with me? What's interesting is that the sacrifice would have to be acceptable to God. The high priest would have to prepare to go into the presence of God. It wasn't like he could just go for days. He would separate himself, consecrate himself, cleanse himself, to prepare himself to go into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the presence of God, the Shekinah presence of God himself was literally between those angels on the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was the place where God's presence was and the armies of Israel would always have that Ark with them. And as long as they had the Ark with them, they would be victorious. And it represented the presence of God. It's a very powerful thing. Amen. It's very interesting because about 300 years before Jesus comes to the earth, something happens to the ark, it disappears. Now there's a lot of discrepancy with regards to the exact time, 300 BC, or was it 500 BC? We don't know for sure, but one thing we do know is that at the time of Jesus, the ark of the covenant was not behind the veil anymore. I want you to think about this for just a moment. The place that represented God's presence on the earth was between the Ark of the Covenant. Do you really believe that the Ark of the Covenant disappeared by mistake before the Messiah was born? Why is that important? Because when Jesus was born, the presence of God was no longer on an Ark, it was now on a man. And he was no ordinary man. The Bible tells us when the Spirit of the Lord descended upon him after his baptism, that it was without, there was no limit. He was with him forever. Jesus was the walking Shekinah presence of God. He, 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 what poured out of him was love and, and power and mercy and, and perfection. Jesus was the presence of God on the earth. And while he was here, he would go about doing good, healing the sick, laying hands on the broken heart. He would minister to those that that didn't even know who he was and they would be so touched and impacted by him because that's what the presence of God does. But it's very interesting because God had a perfect plan for his son. The plan is one that doesn't look so good, but I'm grateful for it. And we know what it is that God sent his son to the cross to be crucified. I want you to understand that nobody did it to him. He did it willingly. He was prepared for it. In in the garden of Gethsemane, when he was crying out to, to the father, asking that perhaps this cup could pass from him, he very well knew exactly what was going to take place. But then he said, Lord, not my will. Father, not my will, but your will be done. And went to the slaughter absolutely willingly. Now something happened at that cross that we have to look at because it's so powerful. Many of us have an idea what happened when the veil tore, but maybe there's just something that I can share with you that will really strengthen your faith faith this morning. First of all, you must understand that the crucifixion took place at the time of Passover. Now, let's go to Matthew 27, verse 45. Jesus is already being crucified. It says, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. 
And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lamach sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Now watch. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. My goodness. Can you imagine that massive veil in the temple? Suddenly when Jesus' head drops while he's on the cross, at the, the Bible describes it as the, um, I think it's the ninth hour. It's the ninth hour. The ninth hour is 3 p.m. in the afternoon. The third hour is 9 a.m., the sixth hour being 12 p.m., and then at, 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 at the, on the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. in the afternoon, something significant was taking place because if you study it, what would happen is during Passover, they call it the evening sacrifice. At 3 p.m., they would take the last of the lambs and sacrifice them. To, to obviously to, for atonement. And so what happened is at that very moment that they were doing the Passover sacrifices, Jesus bowed his head and died on the cross. Now remember, on the day of atonement, obviously this is at a different time of the year, but what would happen was the priest would take the blood of the animal that had been slayed and put it on the mercy seat. And then God would accept that sacrifice. Now when Jesus dies on the cross, the veil is torn. The veil is torn and no, no longer does anybody have to go in there to atone for your sins. What does that mean? That means that when the veil tore, God accepted the sacrifice of His Son. This sacrifice would be one sacrifice that takes care of it forever. There would no longer be the necessity on the Day of Atonement during the Feast of Tabernacles or around the season of Feast of Tabernacles to atone for the people's sins because it had been taken care of once and for all. That's why that veil could never be closed again because it had to tear so that the sins of the world could be taken away. Amen. Listen to this, John 1, 29. John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus coming, says something without even realizing what he's saying. He says the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, John 1, 29, and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He, he recognized that this was the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb that was coming into the world to take away your and my sin. Guys, I don't think you realize how fortunate, how blessed, how truly favored we are to be a people that no longer has to do anything to atone for our sins. It has already been paid for on the cross. When Jesus' blood spilt, the veil tore, and no longer is there any sacrifice needed to pay for your sins. Listen to me. 
there is nothing you can do for forgiveness and has already been done for you. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is have faith. All you have to do is choose the Lord Jesus Christ. Take that blood and make it your own and He will heal you and deliver you and save you. Come on, somebody give the Lord a big shout in this place. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. There is nothing you can do to qualify in terms of works or anything for that redemption. It has been paid for. 100% and you have been given access to that grace and to that mercy because of what Jesus did but that's not the only thing that took place you see when the veil tore not only was the sacrificial law done away with in terms of what will atone us but God also now gave us access to his presence only once a year was the high priest allowed to go into the presence of God. But now the veil was torn and access was given to all of mankind. Because you now understand that you have been saved by grace and not of yourself, it is the gift of God. And that there's nothing you can truly do for that redemption. Look at what Hebrews 10 says. Hebrews 10, 19 in the Amplified says, Therefore, brethren, since we have full freedom and confidence to enter into the holy of holies by the power and virtue in the blood of Jesus, by this fresh, new, and living way which He intended and dedicated and opened for us through the separating curtain, the veil of the holy of holies that is through his flesh. In other words, the veil was replaced when Jesus' body was torn open. When Jesus was pierced and blood poured out of him, the veil no longer was relevant because there was one veil that would take away the sins forever. And when his body was torn, the presence of God, when he died, the presence of God was now released. Oh, it's very powerful. We now have the ability to go into His presence, not because of what we've done to get into the presence, but because of what He has done. That means that, Pastor Alex, what do I need to do to get into the presence of God? You have to desire it. You have to go after it but it's available already. What do I need to qualify, Pastor Alex? The blood of Jesus qualifies you. So even when you make a mistake, I'm not telling you to make mistakes, don't be silly, but when we do sin, if we go and ask for forgiveness, we can go, the Bible says, he says, therefore brethren, since we have full freedom and confidence to enter into the holy of holies, you have now, the, the right to have boldness, to have 
confidence to enter into God's presence because you didn't do anything to get that right. He did it for you. Why? Because God has always had a desire to be with his people, to dwell with his people, to be with you. He loves you. He wants to spend time with you. And the presence of God is a valuable, precious thing. It's not just the fact that God is like a father that just wants to spend time with you. There are so many privileges and benefits to spending time with God. There are things you can never attain anywhere else other than the presence of God. Do you realize that the saints of old, those of the Old Testament, did not have this privilege that we have? The redemption and now access with confidence and boldness to go into the presence. See, what happens is when people sin or begin to make mistakes, they begin to feel unworthy and they run from God. What God has done, and you don't maybe realize it, is that He's done everything so you don't have to run. Well, you know, Pastor Alex, what if I sin tomorrow? I don't want to know what you think about tomorrow. The question is, what are you going to do now? What decision are you going to make now? If you're going to wait to see if maybe you'll sin tomorrow, you will never get it right. The question is, do you desire to enter into His presence where there is fullness of joy, where there is healing, where there is deliverance, where there is life, where there is freedom, where everything you need is found? in the presence of God. Come on, somebody. The Bible says in Psalm 16, verse number 11, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The path, the secret to life is the presence of God. We are made whole. We are refreshed. We are strengthened in God's presence. God has made it available to us. It would be like this. If there was a a natural temple today and you went to visit the temple as a Gentile, In the Old Testament, you were only allowed in the outer courts. That's where Jesus turned the tables over because he was upset with what they were doing in the only place that the Gentiles could worship. But if you had to go there now after what Jesus has done, you would be able to walk right in past all the priests into the most holy place where God's presence dwells. It's unbelievable. Moses understood the power of God's presence. When God says to Moses, listen, I'll send my angel with you. I will bless you. I'll give you all this stuff. Moses says to to God, listen, he says, I will not go unless your presence comes with me. Why? Because Moses understood the value of the presence of God. So when God answers Moses because of his request, this is what he says. In Exodus 33, 14, he says, and he said, my presence will go with you. Watch this now. And I will give you rest. Listen, there are so many of us that don't understand what it's like to have true rest. 
So many of us have problems, addictions, issues, all kinds of stuff running through us, going on in our lives, and we never enter into any form of peace or rest. The only place that you will truly find true rest is in the presence of God. And Moses understood this. He fully understood this. He has the most powerful part. Where is the presence today? I'm so glad you're asking so many questions. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? That means that you have been not only given access, but now the presence, the Spirit of God actually dwells on the inside of you. But you have to have the desire. It has to be something that you want to go after. Nobody can do it for you. But there's no, there's no, it's, it's not like you have to earn it. Because you've already, it's already been earned for you. Does that make sense, guys? So the only place that you're going to find rest, peace, joy is in His presence. And the reason why is because that veil tore. When God had set up the old order, when Jesus died, a new order, a new covenant had been established that you would have access to grace, mercy, forgiveness, that you would have access to the presence of God. Why do so many Christians not desire the presence of God? The main reason is because they want to stay in their sin. Because when you're in the presence, you immediately will feel conviction because God's presence and sin just don't go hand in hand. But there is a way for you. You see, if Jesus's blood wasn't spilt and you had to try and go into the presence, really into the presence, you would die. But the blood of Jesus is what protects you from it. It's yours. It's an amazing gift. And this is what happened the day the veil tore in the temple. All of this was made available to us. Yesterday we did a marriage conference and At the end of the conference, we ministered to everybody for quite a few hours. And at the end of the conference, I got home and I was really tired. And I got home and I was sitting on the sofa and, you know, I was just, I was just completely just, just kind of like trying to relax, just refresh a little bit. And I went onto YouTube and I began to watch some music. It was actually, it was actually Jewish music. It was very beautiful, very powerful. And I was watching these young men worshiping God. And and they were worshiping with all of their heart. And as I was watching them worship with all of their heart, I I just began to close my eyes and just listen to this, this powerful worship music of these people that desired to be with the Lord so desperately. And while my eyes were closed and I was busy sitting there, pretty tired, all of a sudden I just could feel the presence of God fill the room. The kids went completely quiet. Naomi was sitting next to me. She began to close her eyes as the, as the presence of God began to fill the room. Immediately, I began to feel refreshed. Immediately, I began to get strengthened. That's what happens in the presence of the Lord, guys. It doesn't matter how down and out you are. 
If you choose to follow Jesus and go after His presence, no matter how bad it's gotten, you can be restored and you can be refreshed and you can be made whole. God causes a veil to be put in the temple so that one day He could tear it, so that you and I could be with Him again, just the way He desired right from the beginning. That's the word of the Lord to you this morning. Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you. We honor you. We are so grateful for the blood of Jesus. We are so grateful for grace and for mercy and that you've also given us access to your presence. This morning, I pray for every person that they would have a desire, Lord, to go after you. Lord, let us be like Moses that says, Lord, I'm not going anywhere if your presence doesn't go with me. You have made a way where there seems to be no way. Even in the worst situations, Lord, I've seen you touch people so powerfully with your presence, with your Holy Spirit. So this morning, Father, I just, I ask that you strengthen every person in this place and let them know that the only place they can truly be strengthened is when they strengthen themselves in the Lord. So I give you all the glory and honor and praise for everything that you're doing in this place and for each and every person. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Now, if you've come here this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed, please, nobody walk around now, just for a minute. If you've come here this morning and you say, Pastor Alex, my life isn't right with God. I want that forgiveness. I want to enter into God's presence. And you say, I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. Today, I can feel my heart beating. I can feel the Lord's calling me. I want to make that decision today. If that's you, just raise your hand up so I can pray for you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. I saw you. God bless you. If you're also here and you say, Pastor, that's me this morning. I can feel the Holy Spirit's calling me. I need to make this decision today. I don't want the world. I want Jesus. I want that peace. I want that joy. I want that freedom. I want to experience Him. Raise your hand and I'll include you this morning. In the name of Jesus, God bless you. Thank you so much in the back there. If you've come here this morning and you say, Pastor Alex, I, I, I used to serve the Lord. I used to know what it was like to go into His presence. I used to understand forgiveness, but I strayed away from God and I've lost my way. I'm no longer serving the Lord like I should, but this morning I want to rededicate my life to Him. If that's you, quickly slip your hand up and I'll include you in this prayer. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. So many hands. God bless you guys all over the sanctuary. Listen, if you raised your hand and God is stirring you up, I want to ask you to be bold and stand up. Don't be afraid. Come on, this is your moment. This is your time. Don't stay in your seat. That's it. Stand up. Stand up. God bless you. God bless you guys. Sir, stand up. Stand up. Come, stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Come, you guys that raised your hand, stand up. Now come to the front. Come quickly. Come, 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 come. Don't be afraid, guys. Come. Come, God bless you. Come on, church. Let's give them a big round of applause. Hallelujah. This is your moment. This is where everything changes for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come, come. God bless you guys. God bless you. God bless you. Listen, young lady, everything is going to change for you. Hey. Is this your family?
Amen. Are you, the, are you the son? Are you mama? Father, I just pray for this family. Lord, your hand, you can clearly see that you are doing a work in this family's life. Lord, I just pray for total restoration and healing to enter into them this morning. Let this be a new day. Mom, things are about to change. Things are about to change. I pray for breakthrough and for deliverance to be your portion in the name of Jesus. Even now as the presence of the Lord is strong upon you, I pray that you will enter into joy and that you will no longer fear for you've been consumed by fear. But fear will no longer be your portion and you will no longer be lonely. The Lord is going to be your comforter. He's going to be your deliverer. I give you thanks for it, Lord. Bless this family in the name of Jesus. You are so beautiful, young lady. Father, I just pray that you bless each and every one of these precious, precious souls, God. You're making a big decision today. This is very serious. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this young man, for this precious lady, Father. Lord, I thank you. This is, Lord, the decision that they're making to serve you and to follow you with all of their hearts this morning. In the name of Jesus, bless you guys. God bless you. God bless you. The Lord's really been pulling at your heart this morning. And this morning is a turning point for you. It's a turning point. You know, God is, is, the Bible calls him Jehovah Rapha, a healer. But not only is he a healer, the word Rapha also really means restorer. And he's going to restore the broken things. He's going to restore your heart. He's going to restore you. Father, restore this young man. Call him and bring him towards you this morning in the name of Jesus. If I can ask each and every one of you standing in the front, if you can look at me for just one moment. This decision is so important that we're going to pray a prayer. But the prayer has to come from your heart. It has to be a decision that you really make with your whole heart to serve Him. And I can tell you right now, I can't promise you a rose garden because you're still in this life. But with Jesus, it is just completely different. The Bible tells us over and over that when you accept Him, He will never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise that has kept me going for many, many years. And I know it to be true, and it will be your portion from this moment. Amen. So let's all pray this together. Church, let's pray with him. If all of you can pray this with me from your heart, watch and see what he will do. Let's all say, Father, I come to you this morning. I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. I believe Jesus died and rose again. He's the Son of God. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in your blood. Write my name in your book of life. I surrender to you, Lord. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's give the Lord a big clap. Amen. If you guys in the front... We'll just take a look over there. There's a pastor and there's somebody behind you that wants to just bless you and pray with you. Congratulations. This is the beginning of the rest of your life like never before. Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. God bless you, man. Bless you. Bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Go, go, go. It's good. <laughs> bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't that awesome, guys? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Never underestimate what Jesus has done for you. Never be afraid or ashamed to approach Him.
If you come before him humbly, the Bible says that he will never reject you. So if you humble yourself and come to him, he will never turn you away. He is so good, guys. I wanna pray for you as I, as I release you. Father, we thank you. We love you. We are so grateful for every life that has been touched. Lord, it may not be, it may be a sort of a simpler type message, but, but how powerful it really is. Because your blood has changed everything, Jesus. And we are so grateful. Father, I pray you bless each and every person in this place, that the favor of God would be upon them, Lord, that your angels will surround them wherever they go. We love and honor you. Now I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with you all as you go. In Jesus' name, amen.